Hey, movie likers. Are you ready to find out if somebody still likes a movie? <laughs> I hope so. I'm SJ, and my guest today is none other than Globe and Mail writer, awesome human, and Babysitter's Club superfan, Dakshana Bhaskaramurti. We're going to find out if she still likes The Babysitter's Club, the movie, and we're going to find out if I even like it at all because I had never seen this movie until today. So get ready for that. If you like podcasts, I also do a podcast called Weekend at Bergie's where cool friends of mine come over and we get nerdy about music and video games and comic books and fun stuff like that. Tune in however you listen to podcasts, which I'm sure you can figure out because you, you found us here. Anyways, thanks for sharing. Thanks for subscribing. And please uh, keep telling all your friends about this. We're having a lot of fun. We're dropping new episodes on the 13th of each month. And there's a lot of great guests and movies coming up. So please, uh, please continue with us on this journey. All right, without further ado, let's just dive right in. Do you still like this movie, episode three? Did you ever like a movie one time in your life but don't know if you still do? Well, if you don't have time to watch it at the moment, me and the guest will for you. See me, some strangers, and some friends of mine are gonna see what flicks stand the test of time. So if you're curious to know what holds up and what doesn't about some old movie you saw with your cousin, you're in the right place and you know you might just find out. Do you still like this? From the pages of the best-selling books about seven best friends who formed one extraordinary club, this is the story of the summer that changed them all. Leave the kids at home because today we're gonna find out if you still like The Babysitter's Club the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, Doc Shauna, thank you for coming. Thank you oh my God. for watching this movie for me. The Babysitter's Club. I did not know what to expect. I somehow, you know, 1995, I missed this film. Uh, so y you have a sister, though. So did was she a fan at all? Like, were you familiar with this series? Yeah, like I think like most kids of that era, like the books were always around. My sister had the books. They were always like you'd see them at the school library or in like the the book cat the book club you'd order from. Scholastic, you know, scholastic. Yeah. yeah. So this like for anyone listening who doesn't know, and I'm I'm hoping that you can you know illuminate all of us, but. Babysitter's Club was kind of like the Scholastic franchise. Like, it ran for a long time. Do you know, like, roughly how many books there were? So, uh, I think there were almost 200. I mean, I abandoned the series Whoa. before <laughs> before they, they kind of went to the end. And I always wanted to go back and, and catch up. But, you know, I think I was in high school by the time things wound down and... Uh, you can't read those books when I you're no a teenager. No idea. Two hundred. So it's Anne M. Martin. Anne M. Martin. So she was the creator of the series and and the origin story. So I follow Anne M. Martin on Facebook as one does. She's still kicking. She's, She's like the around. Stan Lee of like babysitters, yes. right? Okay. <laughs> so um, I think it was that the publishing house came to her and said, "Hey, there's this book that's selling really well for Scholastic right now about babysitting. It seems to just be like a theme that kids are interested in. Would you be interested in writing, you know, uh, a series based on this?" And that was kind of the only instruction she was given. And then this series was 
series was born out of it and it just became this like huge runaway success so i think it launched in 1986 and um yeah that sounds about right and and anna martin wrote a bunch of them but it just became so huge and the demand was such that uh i think the majority of the books were actually ghost written by by other people right but her name stayed on it but her name so did she retain sort of creator rights or anything i'm sure i'm sure she did yeah she wrote like the bible like all right christy could never do this or yeah exactly (laughs) and i'm sure she probably you know had kind of the final read on stuff to make sure that it was you know fit to have her name on it Right. Okay. So this movie dropped in 1995, released in 1995. Now, was this meant to like really expand the empire further, do you think? Or was this sort of like, this is the peak, we got to do the movie now? There were actually a series of videos that were made um, about the Babysitter's Club before this. I think they started churning those out in the late 80s. So they knew that they were onto something like very early on. And, um, you know, they were much more low budget. um, And, you know, I only ever encountered them at the public library. And I was probably one of the only kids that ever checked them out. Like, I remember the Ramona movies, too. And they were kind of made for TV or video only or something. And I remember seeing a few of those. With Sarah Polly in them. Was it Sarah Polly? Sarah Polly played Ramona, yeah. Like, this movie came out at the peak of my interest in this series. So I feel like I have a really distorted view of, you know, um, how huge it was because it was like I had maybe started reading the books a year earlier, maybe even less than that. And then this, like, at you know, as my fandom was climbing, this major motion picture comes out. And uh, and so there was a lot of anticipation around that. But if I was to step out of that and if I was maybe 10 years older, um, maybe it would have been like a little blip on the radar instead. I don't know. Yeah, no, but this is big. Like the Babysitter's Club did for babysitters like what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did for like mutants. Right. (laughs) And you know what? I I remember the two series that Scholastic had um, that were doing really, really well at that time. We're the Babysitter's Club for girls and Goosebumps for boys. Goosebumps, okay, and so, yeah. And Goosebumps also, you know, had a TV show that came out, I think, around that time, maybe a year later. So I think that they just saw these um, th- these two books doing so well, like, why not introduce them on another platform? Right, right. So as a reader, then, of the books, like, how excited were you to see this movie? I was so excited to see this movie. And I was I was a kid who didn't actually go to see movies in theaters very often, mostly just watched them on VHS. I think I had maybe seen two movies in theaters at that point. So 95, um, I would have been in grade four, um, you know, nine years old. And uh, and. I just knew that this was this like if I only got to see one movie that year, it was going to be this one. So did you go by yourself or did you have to like beg your parents or like an older sibling or someone to take you? So even the story of how I went to see the movie is incredible. So uh, one of my oldest, dearest friends, Ellen, uh, who I grew up with in Winnipeg, my first friend that I really shared uh, a love of reading with, um, she and I were huge Babysitter's Club fans read all of the books, um, and we were both equally excited about this film coming out. And um, we had made this plan to go see it, um, and I remember when I went to the theater with her that day, you know, her mom her mom was the one that drove us, um, and when I tried to give her money that my dad had given me to pay for the ticket, her mom said, no, 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 this one's on me. I have a special deal with Ellen. And I learned this, I feel like, many years later, what the backstory was, but 
Ellen, um, I guess a couple of weeks earlier, had had uh, some sort of illness, and her mom took her to the doctor. And the doctor really wanted to take a throat swab, and uh, Ellen was just being really difficult and refusing to, to do this throat swab. And her mom was um, just embarrassed. You know, they're holding up this doctor, and she's making this series of offers to Ellen, um, you know, to entice her to, to open her mouth. And so it started off kind of small scale, like, oh, we'll stop at McDonald's on, on the way home. No. Um, okay, I'll take you out to Boston Pizza for dinner. No. And, you know, she's like upping the stakes with every offer and she's getting really desperate. And then I feel like, you know, the peak offer was I will buy you everything in the Scholastic <laughs> book order, which is like hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise, if not yeah. thousands. Um, and Ellen even says no to that. And her mom is like, whoa, this kid was playing hardball. <laughs> and, and her mom was like, you know what? Why don't you make an offer? Ellen thinks about her for a long time and says, I want to go see the Babysitter's Club movie with Doc Shana. You know, retail value, what, like wow, $14? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I learned much later that this is why I was not allowed to pay for the ticket. Because, wow. Uh, yeah. Well, that's pretty nice, yeah. And I feel like that is the ultimate, um, you know, symbol of, of my friendship to Ellen um, going back, you know, uh, 25 years now or whatever it was that's pretty amazing because yeah. as we'll discover discussing this film it really is about friendship like that p plays a really big thing so that's a cool story so you were psyched so you saw it in theaters and what was the reaction after you saw the film i loved it <laughs> i absolutely loved this film and um uh you know it's it's like a tight what 130 minutes. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, it kind of flies uh, right by. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, um, and uh, and I just felt that they um, gave screen time to uh, all of my favorite characters, my like less favorite ones who were you know the, the younger babysitters the junior officers Mallory and Jesse is like I never wanted to read the books about Mallory and Jesse and then they just they understood what the they, crowd they wanted got it. yeah they knew okay I was gonna say I want to know like if some characters you know they seem to divide the time amongst sort of yeah that core five of them and then uh, and then yeah the two younger girls got yeah. a little less time right okay was this one of those movies growing up that you would reference constantly with your friends? Like, did you sort of know and, like, go around and think? or yeah. There was a thing you would do if you were with a group of friends where you would say, let's take a Babysitter's Club picture. And that is borrowed from a moment in the film, which was also the poster that they had for the film, where you see all of the girls and you just see their heads, and their heads are kind of pushed together in a circle, and it's this aerial shot of their yeah, heads. they're, like, lying down on the floor. They're lying down on the grass, yeah. yeah. So... We took a lot of Babysitter's Club photos, and like you could say that to any girl, and she would know what you meant. Amazing. That this is this is the kind of picture. So, uh, yeah, it was referenced a lot. There are a couple of iconic lines in the movie um, that uh, that I think it, it's, it's a bit of a friendship test where you'll quote them at somebody, and you'll see if they know. It like very few people pass this test. Amazing, no. But it, it's uh, it's it's a very iconic movie in yeah. my head. Amazing, amazing. I this is I'm so excited that you're such an expert. Like, thank you for coming by to do oh, this. Oh, I've been waiting a long time <laughs> to use this knowledge. <laughs> All right. So going into this, my first time, totally had no idea what to expect. I was trying to figure out like 
is there a nemesis for the babysitters? Like, what is the conflict here? Is it going to be all about the kids? Is it going to be all about the babysitters? Like, what are they trying to do? What are their goals? Are they like, I thought it was going to be really money driven because I was, I had a paper route, I was a paper carrier for years. And there's kind of like this kinship, I think, between paper carriers and babysitters. I feel like that's like they're around the same age. Like, when you're a kid, this is what you make money. Tax-free, you know, <laughs> a lot of cash, probably not a lot of money, but enough to go to the movies, buy some candy, buy some comics or whatever. Yeah, like, that's what I would blow my money on, CDs and stuff. So, like, the babies, it's a classic job, right? I mean, as long as there have been babies, there have been sitters. Absolutely. <laughs> Tale as old it's, as time. It's a, it's a job as old as babies. <laughs> So it made sense. All right, the Babysitter's Club. They Finally, the babysitters got organized and formed a club. Because my babysitters growing up were totally random. I don't know how my parents found them. If it was a friend of a friend, if it was someone they knew from, like, work who had a kid. Oh, yeah, because I would have maybe one or two steady babysitters, and then there'd be, like, a random one. Like, every couple months, I'd, some babysitter would come that I'd never met before. And, you know, as a kid, when you're being babysat, you don't kind of understand because they're not quite an adult but they're not you know your age so I guess you listen to them but they are a little more laid back like they let you eat junk food stuff like that so mm -hmm. I don't know I've always been pro babysitters like I totally support them and uh, yeah. yeah I'm glad they all got together was it go. was it strange as an adult um watching these girls like they are girls yes. um <laughs> In charge of children. That is the thing that always yeah. blows my mind. Just thinking, you know, there's two junior members who are 11. I was like, don't you need babysitters? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to, we're <laughs> totally going to get into that. Are you ready to sit babies? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Let's open. So we open, with, there's kind of like some funky music. Right off the top, I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting into Love this. that jam. Good jam. Yeah. Do you even know? Do you <laughs> when you really need a friend. Hey, na, 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 ho. Open up and let me in. Oh, na, 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 hey. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, yeah. The soundtrack was like unapologetically <laughs> 90s, like just yes. great. Like it took me back. Like I was like, I would have been friends with these people. Like, oh, in the I 90s, was like, like bouncing my shoulders. Like I really like that song is so closely associated with the movie for me. It plays during the opening credits and at the closing credits. And uh, yeah, like it, it kind of gets you in the mood. It's like a fun summertime kids movie totally, from the 90s. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, we open up. What are some of the first things we see? They're like they're getting phone calls about babysitting a dog or something, and uh, dressing up as clowns. Like we're just sort of hearing these kind of voiceovers. Yeah. You're seeing this cork board, and they're like they have all of the little appointments and reminders, and so you get this sense like, okay, this is some sort of operation that's organized, and you know. They have all of these different uh, jobs coming up and holidays yeah. to remember. And then we're introduced to Christy, right? And she's basically like the leader of the group, you know? she's. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep making like Ninja Turtles references. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Christy is the leader of the group. And it's funny when you say that you walked into this thinking, oh, this will be about like the entrepreneurial side of this. And you know what? If this was all told from Christy's perspective, that's exactly what it would be because you know, the first book is called Christie's Great Idea because Christy came up with the idea. She was the de facto president of the club. This was her brainchild. And she was very much about the, you know, the business side of it. And the other girls were like, yeah, I mean, it would be great to have some money, but we're in this for the friendship. 
Um, Christy was very much about the business. I like Christy's like she's got this entrepreneurial chutzpah. She's like totally going for it. I'm like you know I'm I'm a Christy. I'm I'm like yeah I I feel this like she's like uh, we see her like I mean she's into Oreos and like she's got her baseball cap on and she's biking around and stuff. Okay, I have a question to ask you. Mm -hmm. Um, this is something that I never noticed in previous viewings of the movie, but did notice this time. At the beginning, we see this sequence of shots of Christy, but you don't know it's Christy yet. So you see this girl tying up her shoelaces, and then she's tucking her T-shirt, not into her jeans, but into her boxer shorts, yeah. grabbing cookies, drinking milk straight out of the carton. And I feel like that is supposed to establish, oh, we're looking at a boy. Oh, pull out. This is actually a girl. Exactly this is what Christy I <laughs> the tomboy. And that, you know, they, they very much like to really hammer home this is the type of girl this one member was, and this yes. is the type of girl this other member was. And so, um, you know, that was very much ingrained. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's Christy. But I, I wonder for somebody who was walking into this movie not knowing anything, if, if that device worked. Yeah, at first when they <laughs> opened, I'm like, is this going to be one of their brothers? Because I saw the poster, and it's all girls on the front. So right. But, yeah, I'm like, instantly, it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is how they dress. But then it's funny you mentioned that, too. Like, everyone is sort of falls into – a box, and I kind of figured that. And like again with the Ninja Turtles, <laughs> just gonna it's okay. Like Leonardo's the leader, you know. And then there's like the party dude and the and the jerk and the smart one. So this one, it's like we're introduced to. And correct me if I'm wrong. There's Stacy, yes. and Stacy's like the treasurer, right? She's yes. like the penny pincher and and keeps everybody organized. And 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 I I do want to establish here that something that I didn't appreciate when I was a kid, but I do appreciate kind of now. I mean, I feel like this was very forward thinking for Anna Martin in in the 1980s. Was was she really tried to, I guess, subvert stereotypes when when she could? So so Stacy is like the fashionista from from Manhattan, but she likes math. So you can like fashion and math at the same time, yeah. and that was why Stacy was the treasurer because she was so good at numbers. It was like the learning, like Scholastic almost had like oh. said, "Look, everyone's got to have some sort of learning thing. Like they're right. an artist, but they're also very serious about their science homework." Right, right, <laughs> and 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 so that's the thing. Claudia um, was uh, the the one Asian member of the group, the Japanese member of the group. And it's like Anna Martin, you know, again, really turning stereotypes on the, on their head because Claudia is actually really bad at school. Claudia has like a learning disability, and uh, and and you know, the the Asian that's bad at math that was like unheard of sure, in you sure. know the eighties, the nineties, and so um, so that was that was her whole thing. But she was an artist, and her parents, you know, didn't want her to become an artist. Definitely, um, Claudia, the artist. There's uh, Marianne, the stepsister, and she's like the best friend also, or like the oldest friend. Yeah, so Marianne is Christy's oldest friend. They used to grow up. They used to grow up, um, you know, living side by side. Um, and and Marianne's like the shy one, but also the only one with a boyfriend. Right. <laughs> uh, and then there's Don, who throughout the film is, I think, the the only the source of like the riskiest humor. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like this is a pretty safe movie yeah. and then th the riskiest they get is like when they reference Don being like a little bit of a hippie or right. having soy milk chips or like here you want some tahini like, right 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 like and then Don is and then they're all at the diner together and then Don is eating a bowl of seeds like did you bring those from home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will I, you know I, I'll admit I got a chuckle when uh, I think it's Christie's narrating it and she's sort of breaking down like 
you know, Marianne's this, Stacy's this. Dawn, her biggest regret was not being born on Earth Day. I was out of regret. Like, what? Who is this? That was pretty funny. Uh, there's Mallory, who's the writer, and Jesse, the dancer, and they're the younger two. They're right? the two younger ones. And yeah. did I get everybody there? Well, yeah, we got Christy, Stacy, Don, Marianne, Claudia, Mallory, Jesse. All right, they're all here, and they're oh. best friends. And nothing could ever change that. You dun dun think? dun. <laughs> <laughs> Drama. <laughs> So uh, the babysitters are all getting together, and then is it Stacy gets a phone call to go babysit for one of her regular clients? Yes. And their cousin is visiting from Sweden, yeah. Luca, right? So, so cute. Yeah, yeah. So she loves little kids with accents. Sure, yeah. So she picks up a, a gift for, for th- this Luca, and she shows up, and it's revealed that Luca is, in fact, an older boy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that Stacy is immediately smitten with him because they have this fantastic music that plays every time there's a Stacy and Luca encounter. This like really '90s, like kind of Saved by the Bell, like hot and heavy. Like these people are like making eyes at each other, kind of music. Yeah. Now, okay. So this is one of my first questions: Was Luca a character from the books, or is this the first time we're meeting Luca? This is the first time we're meeting Luca. So this, th- like everything that happens in the movie, um, is 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 its own new story. Okay. So this is not borrowed from the books at all. But is it building off of previous, like? stories from like or is there like plot points that were left dangling in the books or is yeah finally I mean, revealed um i feel like uh a lot of a lot of the books for the most part are are kind of like sitcom episodes they sort of tie up at the end and you know if you want to start reading book number 34 there's a lot of background that's given in in that you know essential chapter two that that you could catch up pretty easily there are some bigger plot points that um you know that 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 you know get followed through in the series but um you know you could you could read the series and watch the movie and um you know they're they're very much independent products i would say awesome but but there are you know that that girl that she goes to babysit who's luca's cousin like that is a character that she babysits all the time right. in the series so you're like oh cool we're gonna see this rosie, yeah, rosie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right cool and then so luca shows up and then they're like, oh, Luca, weren't you going to go to the movies? And he's like, I've got my whole life to go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, real subtle, Luca. <laughs> so he's like instantly like, you know, okay, these two are going to pair off, Luca yes. and Stacy. Uh, then we meet Christy's stepdad, who I recognized as a su- the villain from the X-Men films. <laughs> Watson. Uh, yeah, Bruce Davison. Yeah, wa- who she refers to as Watson. Is right. that his first name or his last name? Watson is, is his first detective? name. So <laughs> a little bit of background on Watson. This is something um, that is like referenced so much in the books that Watson is a millionaire, a real-life millionaire that uh, that Christie's mom married um, after her, her dad walked out on Side uh, note, on Christie's mom freaks me out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's got some weird thing going on. I don't, I don't know, but that's, we'll, we'll get to that. Sorry. Sure. So Watson's so, rich. Sorry. So Watson's rich, and, and um, it's mentioned so much in the, in the book series, and I found that there were a couple of, like, references to it in the movie, too. Like, you know, you open in this scene in the kitchen, and then Christy's mom makes some comment about how, you know, she sometimes gets lost in the house. It's so big. Um, and then you see this, like, gaudy gold faucet in the kitchen. Um, and uh, They you had know, a nice house. Yeah, it's a nice house. She so, never ran out of Oreos. Yeah, they, 
<laughs> they never the cookie anymore. jar was always full. But but um, you know it's it's a major thing that Christy doesn't like living there and is very resistant to it at first because she gets plucked out of her neighborhood on the other side of town where all of her friends are and you know she's living on the same street as a couple of her besties and now she's in this like mansion um, and you know Christy even though she has this entrepreneurial spirit she actually like isn't a very materialistic person and so uh, you know she and she and Watson spar and that that is a little subplot that we see visited um, later in in the film yes yeah yeah so Watson and I'm like oh it's uh, Senator Kelly from the X-Men <laughs> and so Luca oh yeah Luca I just had a note here he kind of talks like a slightly more cohesive Tommy Wiseau <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. if it was a fake accent or it. It definitely was. It was supposed to be Swedish. I mean, the accents in this movie. There's like a couple of accents yeah. that are pretty brutal. We'll we'll get to the other one later, but uh. oh man. <laughs> so we get to the scene where Christy comes up with this big plan for the summer and setting up a summer day camp, right? And oh, I did want to mention. Just with Christy, like we did see in the opening, she's going around putting up posters everywhere, babysitter, babysitter. Like they've got Stony Brook, which is a town this is set in. They've got it on lock, right? Oh, it's like yes. No one else is babysitting. If you are in this club, like oh, absolutely. Call one number, reach seven sitters. Like, why would you have like that one person who might flake out on you that you're calling? Like, just call this number. You're guaranteed a sitter. Yeah, they've got the monopoly on babysitting mm-hmm. for sure. So Christy's new plan for the summer. They're all going to be off. Why not have a summer day camp? So why would you send your kids to a like registered daycare? <laughs> Leave them in the hands of these teenagers who definitely don't have insurance. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> whose backyard was it? Was that? So this is um, Don's backyard. So I mean, technically Don and Marianne. So Don and Marianne are stepsisters. Um, when Don moves from California to to Connecticut, um, you know, they become friends and they realize their parents were high school sweethearts and they set them up. Whoa. And so they get married. I love all this backstory. <laughs> like, you are a wealth of information. So, so they get all this set up and then they do this in uh, in, in Don's backyard, which is massive. Yeah, like awesome backyard. Yes. If I was a kid in the summer, I would want to go there too. Mm-hmm. So to get the word out, they come up with this five-hour free babysitting coupon. Is that yes? Thing? So um, there's there's this one little scene in the in the montage where they're flyering the town, where um, Claudia comes out of a radio station and then hands the DJ yeah. a coupon. So I feel like she was paying for the radio advertisement with that coupon okay because i was wondering i'm like why does the college radio dj need a babysitter <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah true <laughs> enough. did you see this guy he's like the guy does not have kids <laughs> maybe like he gives it to a prof or something who knows yeah <laughs> uh and so then it's right around then we get introduced to possibly my favorite character in the whole film Koki. Koki Mason. So, and Koki is, uh, to bring back a Ninja Turtles, she's like the shredder of of this movie. She is the evil nemesis for all the babysitters, just driven by hatred uh, against the Babysitter's Club and all they stand for. Yes. What, so what's her deal? So <laughs> her trouble. deal is just that, you know, you know, sometimes in elementary school you decide that these people are your friends and these people are your enemies. So, you know, these girls are in grade eight now. But um, they've had this weird beef with Koki since grade three. Nobody really knows why anymore, but um, Koki's holding on to it. So 
that's the way it's going to be. And Cookie's the only other actor in this entire film that I recognize from anything else because yes. she was on Full House. So she was. So and she maybe is like other kid stuff around that era. That yeah, and and much later, um, she was I think on The Practice. Oh, so this okay. is Marla Sokoloff. Um, she uh, she was Gia, uh, Stephanie's bad friend um, on uh, on Full House. Uh, and full disclosure, I think I kind of had a crush on her as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow, this yeah. girl, Koki. <laughs> and uh, she kind of acts circles around everyone else <laughs> in this movie, by and, the way. And Koki's whole thing, too, is, you know, she's in love with, with Logan Bruno, who is um, the Louisiana transplanted boyfriend of, of Marianne. And, um, and I just want to say right here, um, I feel like when we look back on film um, from from the 90s and, and we try and pinpoint the worst Southern accent, everybody always goes to James Vanderbeek in Varsity Blues. But I will say that Logan Bruno's Southern drawl is so much worse than <laughs> James Vanderbeek. I didn't know what he was trying to do. Like, he, oh. he barely talked, but he's just kind of like, oh, yeah. Like, it, it was pretty bad. Sorry, I, I just in case there are any, like, Babysitter's Club super fans out there, I'm actually forgetting right now if he's from Kentucky or Louisiana. I feel like I'm going to get like schooled so hard uh, by somebody who knows this. Strongly worded emails <laughs> are being written right but, now. But did you recognize him? Because he was actually in My Girl too. Uh, there was a sequel to My Girl. There was a sequel. <laughs> so spoiler alert for people who haven't seen My Girl, but Macaulay Culkin dies at the end of it, uh. and so My Girl too. They have this this new guy, and uh, and it's this guy whose name I don't know. Oh, okay. This these are the only two films I know of him being in. So he at least got a little bit of work. Yeah. All right. So where are we? the di oh yeah the daycare? So the daycare opens up in this big backyard summer camp. Yeah. Much the summer camp, mm -hmm. term, much to the <laughs> chagrin of the. Evil neighbor, and everybody needs. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the evil neighbor is Ellen Burstyn, <laughs> and I remember so many years later watching Requiem for a Dream. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like the mean neighbor lady from the Babysitters Club. Like this is the universe that I live in when, <laughs> you know, this like esteemed actress is that neighbor from the Babysitters Club. Yeah, is Emer what's her name? Emily Haberman or something? Yes, Mrs. Okay. Haberman, yeah, who lives who lives um, you know, on the other side of the fence from Don. And she's basically playing a totally stereotypical cranky neighbor next door. She's look and you know what? As an adult, I kind of sympathize with her. Oh, like she's absolutely. looking forward to the summer. She's just going to garden outside every day, relax, maybe have some iced tea or whatever. And then all of a sudden, all these kids next door are throwing footballs into her backyard mm -hmm. and, like, causing all this havoc. So I, I'm kind of like, yeah, all right. I, I get where she's coming oh, from. Oh, absolutely. She's not having all this uh, action going on in the backyard. And she's like, you know, she gives them a couple of warnings, too. You know, she's not, like, calling the city right away. Um when when she's disturbed by them so i think she's a lot more patient with with this you know nuisance next door than a lot of people would be yeah she comes around and we, we learn a bit later in the film there's a bit more to uh to mrs haberman um then we're introduced to maybe my second favorite but could be tied for first favorite character in the movie the little girl who has an imaginary friend named Jimmy Tony. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who is that? Like, were they in the books? I don't. I want to read their story. That girl was in the books. Like, all of the babysitting um, charges, all of the kids in this camp are established reoccurring characters in the series of books. 
Um, there's always a couple of chapters in each book too um, that are exclusively about a babysitting job and they always begin with like a kind of diary um, that's written by the character who, who the book is about and so you know there's a diary and then you get into the chapter and it's just like babysitting like it doesn't further the main plot at all like I don't want to read about these kids so I would often skip skip those two I would say I maybe read like 70% of every babysitter's club I book. love that that's like kind of like okay this is a section you can skip over all right yeah. so whatever rose marie can't have ice cream or something exactly like, yeah. yeah um well this kid was hilarious and their imaginary friend jimmy tony like <laughs> what a great and there's like a pattern of like kids with two names here it's like a <laughs> david michael or something <laughs> i feel like that was a very 90s thing yeah. there's like a lot of very 90s things um that again i noticed in watching this that i hadn't noticed in previous screenings like did you notice that there are two references to the board game clue in this oh i definitely noticed one yeah they're playing it at one point yeah. and then also um at the very beginning when um, Christy's mom is looking for Christy's um, stepbrother and stepsister. She uh, she's you know looking around the house, and then Christy says, "I know where they are. They're with Colonel Mustard in the parlor with the candlestick, something like that." Like <laughs> it's it was just this kind of lingo that was part Did of the night. Scholastic 90s. have like a clue book coming out. Probably, at the time? probably. Yeah. This kid is so funny. He's like, Jimmy <laughs> Tony. It sounds like a pasta. I don't know. Just a big Jimmy Tony. That's what I'm Out having for dinner. Out of a can, yeah. <laughs> um, so the daycare consists of, like, yeah, throwing footballs and all these games. Uh, but then there's, like, some antics that start to happen. And at one point, like, all these kids need to go to the bathroom. Obviously. Like, where did they? And so they don't have a, they didn't have a plan for the bathroom? Yeah. You know what? I will say that. That is one thing I found unbelievable in the writing of this script because Christy would never let something like that. Like, that's a huge thing to have forgotten. Yeah, they have no bathroom. They end up getting a porta potty later. Um, but, you know, that first day, there's this long lineup of kids um, trying to use the bathroom at Don's house, even though they're not supposed to go inside the house. Well, so was this something that bugged you as a kid or are you just sort of noticing it now? You're like, wait a second. So in the same way that um, when I watch The Notebook, I like feel like I must endure the parts with the old people to get to like hot young Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. Um, I like don't really pay that much attention to the scenes with the kids. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's get back to like Luca and Stacy. Let's get back to, oh, you know, man. Claudia <laughs> and whether or not she's going to pass her biology exam. It was like all of the stuff that wasn't babysit. Even though this was the babysitters club, this was like the theme of, of all of the books and the movie. The babysitting was the part I was least interested in. And I feel like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the other readers uh, felt the same way. Looking back, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay, there we get introduced to Logan's buddy here, uh, who refers to himself as a free dweeb, uh, uh, Alan, who is the most cringeworthy character. Yes, in this, this is movie. the most useless like B plot in the movie. They did not need <laughs> to put this in. Alan is this like incredibly strange, socially awkward kid who hangs out with Logan. Logan takes pity on him, I guess. And he has this like puppy crush on Don who doesn't want to give him the time of day. Um, just really strange character. I guess he's there for comic relief. I don't know. Yeah. He's just kind of goofy and doesn't I would edit work. That guy I don't see what there's a few scenes where like, Oh dude, um, he must be so embarrassed watching this. movie. Oh now. my gosh. Um, 
so we've this up to this point it's kind of been lighthearted, like seeing what's going on, the kids are doing stuff, all this babysitting action activity. Maybe like the summer. greatest conflict will just be, you know, facing down Cokie Mason. That's what it seems like at this point. Exactly, exactly. Cokie. And then we meet Christy's dad. Christy's deadbeat dad. Let's talk about this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> You know, as we've established, Watson lives in a mansion. And then one day, Christy is, like, coming home um, and sees this, like, VW van lurking outside her her stepdad's house. Yeah, stranger danger. <laughs> and her dad is in a suit. Her dad, who we've established, like, you know, is, is quickly established to be a guy who has not really been in the picture for many years. Not the kind of guy who calls or visits, or even sends cards. She has just, like, kind of grown up for a lot, a lot of her life without a dad. I don't really even remember him ever being in any of the books. It was just kind of like, he walked out in the family, we never see him again, and then you see him in this film. And we meet time. him. Would you describe him as bad news when we first meet him here? Like, he seems like a fairly nice, likable guy. Like Yeah. He, yeah, so, I mean, he is in town, he, he tells Christy, because there's a job that's come up, and he's he's probably going to get it. He's a, he's a sports reporter, so it's with the local paper. And this is pre-internet, pre-cell phones, there's no texting, there's no emailing and saying, hey, I'm going to be in town. Yeah. Just, they just kind of show up. He's he, traveling. And he had apparently sent a letter saying he was coming to town, but and he said, you know, didn't you see in my letter I said I was coming? Christy's like, you say that in every letter, Dad. Right. And you, oh. like never followed through so why was i supposed to believe it this time the drama yeah (laughs) um but you know you can see that christy has a bit of a soft spot for him because he's her dad he's a real dad sure sure biological dad Mm -hmm. yeah so he invites her to come for dinner in a park at his van (laughs) and she brings her friend and he makes pancakes (laughs) like what i'm like i'm missing something here this this is is just this is so weird. He tells Christy that he's staying in a hotel. You never actually see the hotel. I feel like he was just living in this trailer park for probably a month. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he he makes pancakes. Marianne is so weirded out by him. Um, and, and Christy has not told her mother that her dad is in town. And so she swears Marianne to secrecy because, you know, her dad wants to wait until this job is secured, and then he'll he'll make this public. So Christy and Marianne are the only people who, who know that dad's back in town. And this actually starts a rift between the babysitters. Because yes. Christy, who up till this point has been their leader, she's coming up with all these great ideas, you know, spearheading She's the glue, of the, she's the glue of the group starts to uh, come apart a little bit. Yeah, she starts, you know, flaking out um, a little bit here and there. She's leaving the day camp um, earlier than, than, you know, the other ones are, and she's always asking people to cover for her, and she's very mysterious about where she's going, and, and they start to suspect that she has a boyfriend that she's sneaking off to see. And did this seem realistic to you, watching it now, or did it seem a little like... Like, I was kind of like, why doesn't she just tell her friends? Yeah, she doesn't need to like cause herself all this anxiety by not telling them. But I guess that's a testament to how true she is to her word. And she doesn't want to. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of like, you know, we're adults watching this, but these are supposed to be 13 year olds. And, you know, when you're a kid, um, you don't really see the flaws in in adults or or, or think that the things are that 
they're asking you to do are unreasonable. So she's just thinking an adult has told me to do this. Right. And, you know, I'm a kid, so I need to do what, what my dad is telling me to do. So she keeps the secret. Uh, we go back to the daycare and daycare or summer camp. I keep calling it daycare. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so this summer camp and like how many of these kids do you think the kids kept going to this all summer? Some of these kids are like, look, mom, I can't go back to this place. <laughs> 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 There's these 12 year olds running. And it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, they, I think they oversold you. But so Koki shows up with her. Koki's kind of got like this bumbling posse of like these. these she has a bebop and rock steady. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So she decides that she's going to totally destroy this summer camp and by kind of sabotaging it. But she just kind of walks into the summer camp and she starts hitting on Logan. And Logan's like, yeah, all right, cool, whatever. Because Logan is going out with Marianne, right? Mm -hmm. That's and that's and this goes on through all the books and stuff, too. Yes. Like a lot. Yeah. So then Emily Haberman, she she still ain't having it. She's no. she comes and gets mad at them again because Koki has brought a stink bomb um, with her. Right. So her so while she's going and flirting with Logan, her friends launch the stink bomb into the camp, but they haven't pulled the tab on it. So then these little kids find it and then they use a slingshot and send it into Emily Haberman's yard where it goes off. And so uh, she's really upset about Understandably that. Understandably so. Mm -hmm. Her summer is just getting ruined. <laughs> so, um, and then it's revealed, I made a note here, Mallory is writing a novel about the first <sighs> nurse in America or something. Who cares? I like hate Mallory so much. So Mallory... <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, Mallory. Scholastic ain't publishing it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, okay. So then Stacy, uh, who is, you know, she's kind of got this relationship. You know, the seeds of young love are, are growing with her and Luca. And she's got a date. And Luca's coming over to her house. And this is when we meet Stacy's mom. Mm -hmm. and, and then we find out Stacy's secret, too. Right. Uh, but can I just say, Stacy's mom does not have it going on. <laughs> <laughs> What is with this woman? <laughs> she's like acting like she's in like a bad mad TV sketch or something. Like don't 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 like it. Unbelievable! Like get this woman off screen. Like I don't know how they cast any of these parents. To be honest, they're really really <laughs> yeah. bad. Like yeah. It's so Stacy's mom says you can't go hiking with or no. She said don't forget to eat or something because Stacy has uh, diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah. So. So then what Stacy says, I'm fine, and she goes anyway. Yes. Yeah, like so, so, you know, Stacy's mom is very overprotective of Stacy because she has diabetes. And she's very nervous to be going out with Luca, who, by the way, is 17. We have not established this yet, but, you know, maybe four years isn't a big deal um, when you're in your 20s or your 30s. But it's very weird that Stacy was 12 maybe a couple of weeks or months ago, and she's now going on on this date with a guy who was maybe graduating high school yeah, that, that year. It, and it gets a little weirder as, yes. as things go on. She passes out. She faints. Yes. Luca helps her out. And then we cut back to Christy, right? This is where I wanted to get to. So Christy goes to have lunch with her dad. And she's made him lunch this time because his, his cooking was not up to the par. He uh. says that there's no kitchen in his hotel and like God forbid he should like go to like McDonald's and pick something up. He, so so Christy has to like make peanut butter and banana sandwiches, two of them, and pack them and take them to lunch with her grown father. Secretly. Still nobody yes. nobody knows about this. And then uh, then we get to learn a bit more about Claudia. So up till now we didn't really know too much about Claudia. 
But Claudia starts to take a little bit more responsibility in the club, and she's taking on all this stuff. But she's worried because she's in summer school for uh, science, right? For Which biology, is, yeah. What, what is this, like pre-med? Like, this <laughs> <laughs> started, like, it's so, pretty so intense. Yeah, so Claudia was flunking biology class, um, and uh, and her parents say that if she doesn't pass this class, she's going to have to quit the babysitter's club. So this is not just an emergency for her. This is an emergency for the entire club. And Christy promises that she's going to help her ace this exam. Right. But at the same time, the babysitter's club summer camp, things are starting to get a little hectic. Like, things are yeah. getting crazy. Uh, you know, some kid, like, hurts his foot or something when he swings a baseball bat. And then they lose a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like this kid they just lose a kid, yeah. lose a kid, uh, which is a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. But luckily, the kid just shows up later. Like they found him somehow, um, and that kid was uh, oh, he was our favorite. Was it was it David Michael? So yeah, David Michael is Christy's little brother. So this is like so now we're starting to see the consequences of of Christy sneaking off to see her dad because Christy left early. Christy was supposed to bring her little brother home and then didn't. He leaves camp by himself. Starts wandering onto the street, and then I think Claudia's dad finds him and then brings him home safely. But Christy really gets the third degree from her parents um, when, when she comes home. Like, you know, who knows what, what would have happened to David Michael if Mr. Kishi hadn't found him and brought him home. And then Watson and her get into what is just a pivotal moment of yes. any teen drama. And, you know, I feel like this is a line that I saw in so many TV shows and movies, but, you know, it, it <laughs> she has this yelling match with Watson, and then she storms upstairs, and then he, you know, yells at her, like, you know, come back here, I'm your, you know, don't walk away from your father, and then she yells, uh, you're not my father! <laughs> and then... Oh, like so cliched, and and then cue sad like Barry Manilow style music. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sad like, like the sad trumpet. Yeah, <laughs> it almost felt like they had a kind of keyboard with like preloaded MIDI's on it because they would um play the same music when different characters kind of came on screen. I don't know if you noticed this, but whenever Koki and her her crew show up, they play this like little sample of a song, and it's like. Let's get busy. And they play it every time she comes on screen. It's so strange. I don't know why this music is associated with her, but it's kind of like something bad's about to go oh, down. Oh, that Koki. She is here. sassy. And then they have the like sexy music that they play with like Luca. It's a very interesting soundtrack. It's interesting <laughs> that they did spend, uh, they put a little bit of effort into that. Yeah. So things do get a little sad after this dramatic scene. And, uh... In a bizarre break from our main narrative, we're treated to the puzzling antics of Alan, <laughs> who's like <laughs> clumsily flirting with <sighs> Dawn. And so Dawn is like cleaning up and recycling around the summer camp. And he says, he's like, oh, y your love of the environment makes me want to fly. And he starts like flapping his <sighs> hands like a weird Bird, it's just and cawing. Yeah, it's just Why? so awkward. So awkward. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Um, but as crazy as that is, nothing, I repeat, nothing could prepare me for what is about to happen <laughs> next. The Babysitter's Club rap. <laughs> oh, boy. So yep. Can you can you do this rap? Um, Not the whole thing, but I... I'm sure when I was actually in grade eight and like studying the human body, I'm sure this was a mnemonic device <laughs> used for an exam. Right. But so there's like there's the refrain, the brain, the brain, the center of the chain, the brain, 
the brain, the, the center, center of, of the, the chain. chain. So, okay. so um, you know, after Christy has really been letting Claudia down, you know, um, hasn't been showing up for these study dates that she promised, she's finally like, okay, let me get my shit together. And she, uh, she What's and the other Claudia? babysitters, yeah, she and the other babysitters come up with this rap that teaches, y- y- you know, Claudia about the human body. And it's supposed to be very catchy so that it's almost like, Claudia can cram for the exam by memorizing this rap herself. And I'm sure Christy and all the babysitters are well-versed in hip-hop. Like, <laughs> like when they start rapping, I'm like, oh, they're going to be rapping about babysitting. No, it's no. rapping about uh, human body It is parts. fully like that, that rap that you did because you were allowed to in science class and you would like make a video for some reason instead of performing it live. Like everybody did one of these, I feel like, at some point yeah, in school. It's kind of like unnecessarily complicated as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like cerebellum is rhymed with something. Like it's uh Yeah, and the cadence is very complicated. Yeah. What's going <laughs> and like what are you what are you trying to do here? Like, and there's gestures, like there's a dance that comes with it. Yeah. Um but then you see Claudia in her exam and uh Yeah, that's right. So Claudia's taking the exam and she's starting to sweat it. She's getting stressed out. And then we hear this very spooky <laughs> rap, and it's done in kind of like this ghost voice. It's like this spooky chant, and yeah, yeah the brain, the brain, <laughs> the center of the chain, the brain, the brain. She's like, oh, the brain, the center <laughs> of the chain. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like in what situation <laughs> are you going to forget what your brain right. does? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Good thing the my The center friend. of the chain is A, the brain, B, the neck. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this multiple choice exam, and she, uh, you know, she figures out that one thing. Good thing my babysitter's club made a rap about the brain, so I would remember what it does. So Claudia passes her test. That's all great. Uh, Then we cut back to Christy's secret tearing her apart. Mm -hmm. And so she can't betray her dad, but she doesn't want to tell her friends um, because the babysitter's club and everything she's built could be collateral damage mm-hmm. in this in this drama. And then, oh, I wrote down the line, I'm allergic to summer. Who said that? This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, Christy is just feeling, like, so torn apart by keeping the secret for her dad. She talks to him on the phone one day, and um, she's sitting in the kitchen. And then after she gets off the phone with him, she starts crying. And then Watson's come, coming by and asking her, what's wrong, Christy? Are you okay? Um, are you crying? And then her mom is, is also concerned that she's crying. And she does this thing that every 13-year-old girl has done when she cries and gets caught in it. No, it's just allergies. Or like later in high school, it's like, no, it's just my contact lens. Um, and so then uh, her, her little brother asks, what are you allergic to? And she says, I'm allergic to summer and storms off. That's so heavy. Yes. I'm allergic to summer and I'm allergic to all of Poor you. Christy. And you know what? Everyone's <laughs> being so hard on her. I want to say that when I was watching this movie all the previous times, I was always like, yeah, Christy's like really letting everybody down. But watching it this time, I was like, you know what? Everybody is like relying on this girl too hard. Yeah, she's been the responsible one, but like, why don't other people pick up the slack for once? And why does she have to tell them her business? And you know what, Claudia, you're filling that class because you were slacking off this year. Why is Christy being scolded for not helping you? Like, why don't you learn to study yourself? Exactly. Like, if you were their parents, you would. This is what you would have told these kids. Yeah, and Claudia is so salty with her. And then after, you know what, Claudia gets a B minus on that exam, and everybody is like <laughs> hugging her. Everybody is hugging her, and then. Christy's 
off to the side. It's like, how about a thank you for Christy, who obviously wrote that rap? Yeah. Also, it's summer school, B minus, <laughs> all right? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a C in regular school. <laughs> that teacher doesn't want to see you again next summer. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, we, do, uh, we do learn a little bit more about Luca now. So after Claudia passes, she gets to go to New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Now- just for the listeners at home who may not have seen this movie, when they go to New York City, we don't actually see them in New York City. No. They just show stock Lots footage. Of B-roll. <laughs> yeah, it's all B-roll of New York and then this back alley that could be anywhere. Right, it, right. It could have been in Stony Brook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they didn't quite have the budget. So they try and too. get into some club where apparently you need to be... Yeah, so it's a teen club. So I guess you have to be like maybe... At least 16 like or something. 16, yeah. Um, and so there's the guy's checking IDs, and all of Luca's friends go in, no problem. Luca goes in, no problem. And then Stacy realizes, like, oh man. So then she tells the bouncer, oh, I must have left my ID in my other wallet. Um, and then uh, one of Luca's friends is like, oh, your, your ID's right here. Pulls it out of her wallet. Stacy is mortified. It's her, you know, probably Stony Brook Middle School, like, homeroom card. It's her library card, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it establishes that she's 13, and Luca is just, oh, my goodness. He can't believe it. And another great line from this film, when the bouncer goes, she ain't no 16. <laughs> 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 Creepy, dude. She ain't no 16, and then we cut to uh, the back of a cab, and it's Luca um, sitting with Claudia and Stacy. They're on their way to, to Stacy's dad's apartment, and Luca is just like, 13? Just he can't believe it. And he always thought that Stacy was maybe a little young-seeming, but like maybe a mature 15 or a 16. But This is too much. Yeah. This I is mean, too much. He can't be seen yeah, as a 13-year-old. I mean, yeah, he feels, I mean, I think understandably, he feels creepy. Like, imagine you were in, yeah. in your last year of high school and you find out that this girl that you're seeing is not actually in grade 10 or 11, but in grade 8. Yeah, so uh, so the, the trip doesn't go like they had hoped. No, and then Stacy thinks that it's over. Like, Luca wants nothing to do with her now um, because of, of the age difference and because she lied. Was this a big deal as a kid? Like, did you feel this drama? Like, was this a heavy scene when you yes. originally Yes, I mean, I would it? say that this is the plot that I was most interested in, the romantic storyline between Stacy and Luca. Stacy was my favorite babysitter. Um, and and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was like Stacy was, was, was the person I was most interested in seeing on screen. And uh, and I thought cast just perfectly um, by, by this beautiful um she was good yeah. yeah they were they were all they tried they were a variable acting yeah. skills but and, and you know what um maybe this is something you want to talk about later but one thing i really love about this movie is i feel like this launched the careers of a couple of 90s stars like rachel lee cook plays marianne um goes on a couple years later to huge success and she's all that right that's i mean i've, I've actually haven't seen she's all that but i oh i know i recognize after episode like, oh that's who that is and yeah. yeah and josie and the pussycats and then we have dawn who is played by larissa olenek um who i think the very next year is cast as the star of the secret world of alex mack um and then later on she played ken cosgrove's wife in mad men Oh, that's... Oh. And Christy is played by Skylar Fisk, who is Sissy Spacek's daughter. 
Well, that's wild because I was wondering, like, where are these people now for the most part? So we get back to the summer camp, though, and we get another another bit of screen time for my favorite uh, little baby city, uh, the the little kid, the Jimmy Tony kid. Yeah. What is – do you know what her name is? I can't remember. Um, 10-year-old me is very disappointed in 31-year-old me, but, no, I can't remember what – what her name is. Okay, again, her dialogue is amazing. <laughs> She's just like saying, my parents come from Bear. And then... <laughs> <laughs> my parents come from Bear. And then the the kid next to her goes, what kind of Bear? And then the kid, without missing a beat, she just says, alligators like to fly. Yeah, it's just non sequitur after non sequitur. Yeah, Incredible. really weird kid. Who wrote... I, 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 so props <laughs> to whoever wrote that. Um, so then, yeah, the kids have been left with Alan... Um, yeah, that's a great idea. The oddball in the pajama suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing could possibly go wrong. Um, and then so Dawn has to go. Uh, there's basically been like something happens. It's the last straw and Emily, Emily Haberman has had enough and she's going to call the, the, <laughs> the local authorities or something. Yeah, she's going to call the city and make sure that the Babysitter's Club's permit is revoked. And then before she's even out of earshot, they're all like, permit like they didn't even know that they needed a permit they don't yeah they're they're worried that this whole operation is going to get shut down yeah yeah so then but dawn goes to sort of plead the case of the babysitters club and this is where we finally learn a little bit more about emerly haberman mm-hmm. right so she's like kind of making some jokes about uh about Dawn, would you say, oh, how 60s, Dawn. Like yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> like so, yeah, you can see that these two are maybe kind of kindred spirits. Yeah, Emily yeah. Haberman's getting in a little zinger. I, I dig it. And she's sort of revealed to be this, like, real woman of the world, you know? Right. She's kind of traveled everywhere. Like Met the Dalai yeah. Lama. <laughs> <laughs> this is me hiking in Tibet. <laughs> right, I had the most incredible conversation with that wood buffalo in that photograph yeah. from 1970 <laughs> whatever right some of the like her some of her dialogue here i sure went over the heads of kids but she's <laughs> like she's discussing how like she likes the peacefulness or something or maybe is it dawn saying something about it being quiet and emily's like the quiet can be a lovely companion yes <laughs> whoa how deep i know <laughs> So Don and Don and Emily are kind of bonding. Then we cut to Stacy, and Stacy's listening to Luca outside of her house playing like the blues on his harmonica. Yes! Is this a Swedish thing? <laughs> 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 so instead of holding the boombox outside the window, he is like sitting on the curb playing like some really soulful harmonica. And then Stacy's mom. Um, you know, is just like just go out and talk to him, but Stacy doesn't want to do it, and and it's it's clear he's he's feeling badly about yelling at her in the back of that taxi in New York, and and maybe wants to talk it through. There may be hope for those yes. young lovers yet. Uh, we're just gonna fly through here. Then it's Christie's birthday, oh. and okay, so things get a little dark here. Oh. She's supposed to meet her dad, and he doesn't show up, and. She's at like Fun City or something. Yeah, she's at she's at Monty's Fun City, which is this like amusement park, you know, kind of small scale um, in Stony Brook. Stopping every guy she sees who kind of looks <laughs> like her dad from behind. Right. Like, are you my daddy? And this was like you know this was this was a place where she still had some fond memories from when she was a little kid. Like her dad used to take her to Monty's. They would ride the monster roller coaster, I guess, together. And so this was something she was looking forward to, but. Dad's not there, and her friends have planned this birthday party for her. This is her 13th birthday, 
And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll show up a little bit later to it. And they're all waiting for her. And she's just like looking for her dad. Um, and he's not there. He's not there. And then it starts to rain. And this it's like, like a thunderstorm. Yeah. And there's like a very on the nose song that starts playing. And it's like daddy's little girl. Yeah. Oh, no. And Chris is just like getting very spooked by this scene. And she's running around the whole amusement park looking for her dad. Meanwhile, the amusement park closes and everyone leaves and she gets locked in the amusement park right. and has to, like, escape. Clearly, Dad has checked out Skip Town. Um, yeah, and it's so Christy's birthday is getting worse uh, before it gets better. And and all the friends are waiting back at, uh, at Mallory's house, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, and they bought her an ice cream cake, which... Mallory, come on. Oh, come on, Mallory. <laughs> so the ice cream cake is melted because they've been waiting for hours and nobody knows where Christy is. And they're starting to get really worried. Like, what if something happened to her? This is, you know, yeah, she's been a little bit flaky this summer, but why, like, why would she not show up at her own birthday party? And everybody starts asking Marianne, you know, Marianne, you know what's up. But Marianne is very loyal to Christy and, and, and won't budge. And it's tearing her up inside, but she's good. She's a good friend. Again, mm -hmm. another another nice moment of friendship yeah. there. Um, so why didn't Christy's dad show up? So mm. Christy's dad didn't show up because he's a jerk, makes a date with her for her birthday, and <laughs> doesn't show I up. I know, like, I was kind of rooting for this guy for a little bit. I'm like, yeah. all right, he's trying to make right, he's mm -hmm. here, he wants to see her, and then... No, leaves her hanging, takes off. And so then she's walking through the rain home. It's just pitch black outside. It's like really heartbreaking. She's crying. You're like, you see water streaming down her face. You're like, are those tears or is that the rain? Um, and then, you know, meanwhile, back at, at Mallory's house, people are really saying to Marianne, yo, something really terrible could have happened. You have to tell us. And so then she finally says, Christy's dad came back and that's who she's meeting. Um, and then they're thinking like, okay, we have to call our mom, but Marion's like, no, like mom can't know. So they're like, okay, well we need to go pick her up, but who do we know who has a car who isn't a grown up? And so then Stacy says, I think I know someone. Luca. So Luca's back. <laughs> Luca to the rescue. Luca's got a car. He's instantly useful again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then all like seven of them, plus Luca who's driving, pile into this car and then drive down the street, find Christy. They all get out, hug her, bring her into the car, and then they take her home. And It's a really nice moment yeah. with friends. And then Luca and Stacy. They kind of have a nice moment, and it gets a little weird, right? This like, is my favorite exchange. These are my favorite two lines in the whole movie. Okay, tell us. So, you know, Luke and Stacy have this moment. All of the babysitters have come inside the house, and then they're standing by the door, and Stacy's thanking him. And Luca said, you know, I have something I need to tell you. I'm coming back next summer. And then Stacy says, I'll be 14 then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And then they kiss. Not creepy at all. No, no he's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be 18 or whatever. I know. Like, I will be like legal. And like <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll be 40. Yeah, I know. I, I know. know how time works. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're going to get older, but he's also going to get older. <laughs> oh, man. Then. Christy, we have a, a scene with Christy and her mom, mm -hmm. and her weird mom is sort of, <laughs> you know, finally talking to her about her dad, and and she kind of says something that's it's got a bit of weight to it. She mm -hmm. says, 
your father is full of dreams, just like you. Never give them up. Yeah. Even so if you become, you know, so you know, you <laughs> a would flaky think loser like <laughs> your dad. <laughs> well, you would think that Christy's mom would be livid and just like so mad at this dad. Also mad at her daughter for like carrying on this like kind of huge secret all summer. But instead, she tries to find some humanity in her ex-husband, her deadbeat ex-husband, and says, you know, here's a redeeming quality about him. And like, you know, maybe focus on this thing instead of writing him off as this villain forever. Um, and yeah, I guess that kind of resonates with Christy. Her dad has also sent her a letter in the mail explaining, you know, how he's a cowardly piece of shit. And, uh, and, you know, I guess she sort of makes peace with it and then realizes, like, the better parents, the parents that love her more are her mom and, and Watson, who, yes, may not be her real dad, but uh, is, is, is someone she can count on. Yeah. So th- that was really nice and heartwarming. But then we see that Koki and her crew still have a few tricks up their sleeve, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're back at the summer camp. And the cronies are kind of watching because the Babysitter's Club, they're all celebrating. I guess it's like the last day of summer camp. And there's this big event. We see Jackie. He finally hits a home run, mm-hmm, which Jackie is a big Lasky, deal. Yeah. So right before he hits the home run, there's a moment where Koki and her cronies, <laughs> they're like, Koki's like, how did they, how did they do this? How did they make it happen? And then one of them says, they saw a problem and they worked hard to solve it. <laughs> That's scholastic for you. <laughs> There's like yeah. your learning. You're right, That's right, like, right. You know, what's the learning module of this scene? And like, and Koki and her friends wasted their summer trying to, you know, sabotage the babysitter's club. But like, look who came out victorious. In oh, the end. but they didn't waste their summer, <laughs> according to Koki, who has this great line. Because like, literally, one of them's yeah. like, I spent my whole summer trying to ruin the babysitter's club or something. And Koki's like, You didn't waste it. You were with me. You yeah. got an education. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Raising telling a you, new Koki generation of Cokies, yeah. Yeah, Koki is incredible. Uh, but then so Jackie, the kid, hits a home run. Like, I think they throw, like, a dodgeball. They're not playing real baseball. Like, I played baseball. This yeah, is, I mean, like, he's got, got, a, got a, shovel. a shovel. Yeah, I mean, they've they've set this up to make it easy for him because he could obviously not hit a baseball in it. So bat. he whacks a dodgeball with a shovel and, sure enough, goes right into the tree Knocks Koki into, into, gar- into a garbage can. <laughs> yeah, violence. Sure, that's how you deal with bullies. Yeah. Just <laughs> Luckily, Koki doesn't break her neck and just gets covered in like a banana peel and some garbage. Yes. And uh, so that, that worked out well, you know? Like, uh, I learned a lot that summer at yeah. Babysitter's Club. And, and <laughs> what's so funny is at the very end of the summer, so <laughs> when this, this all sort of gets brainstormed at the very beginning, they, they realize, like, okay, if we get this many kids and this is how much we're charging, we could make $7,500 right in the summer. Somehow, their expenses get away from them, and they end up with, like, so little money. They're they only like able to buy, or something. yeah, they're only <laughs> able to buy, like, one extra large pizza with anchovies on it. But, you know, they learned what it meant to really come through for each other. Yeah. And that's, that's really what this is about yeah. in the end. Yeah, yeah. And... I guess they went on to have many more adventures and babysittings. Yes. And because, yeah, so it kind of it all gets wrapped up like that. Right. It's all about friendship. And then and everybody is when all the friends, you know, realize like what Christy's gone through. They're very forgiving and understanding and, you know, sort of truce is brokered. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, everyone's kind of um, back to 
the the kind of tight collective that they were at the beginning. We we made it through the movie. Mm-hmm. All right, so now this is when you reveal. <laughs> <laughs> you answer the million dollar question. After all this time, do you still like the Babysitters Club? Sure movie? do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I will actually say? <laughs> like it's not even nostalgia. I mean, a huge part of it is nostalgia driven. But there were even things that I was I, I, I remember loving when I was nine watching this. And then now all of these years later, I'm like, I like this, but as a thirty one year old, like Stacy's wardrobe is incredible. And I loved it and I wanted it when I was nine, and I love it and I want it when I'm now thirty one. <laughs> um yeah. It's probably it's just, all back in fashion again, actually. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? It's like this like is like you know, passing the Bechdel test with flying colors. It's just like a really nice movie for girls. There's like one kind of like dumb plot line that's romantic, but there's so many plot lines that have to do with, you know, other things that these girls are doing. They're not just like spending the whole summer chasing guys. Um, They have this business, you know, they care about school. Um, They're looking after these kids and uh, they care about their friendship. They care about their friendship and helping each other out. And even though Christy goes off and try spends all this time with her dad, she still knows she she has to help out Claudia. And so she comes through when it counts and. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought going into this, I didn't know. I was like, is this going to be all about them raising money? Like, do they need to, like, I don't know, save something by, or like, some raising ski all this trip money? or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, no, it really is about friendship. Which totally. Which as cheesy as that sounds, like, totally. For a kid's movie, really good. I mean, definitely as an adult, like, <laughs> I don't know that I could, like, recommend this to anyone. Like, <laughs> yeah. If I wasn't doing Fair this enough. podcast, I doubt I would ever see this film, mm-hmm. unless I have kids one day, you know, that would want to see it. But I would totally show this to, to my kids, if, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel it's it's definitely, like, it's a bit dated, but in a maybe in a good way. Like, there isn't any cell phones or no any computers. The kids are outside. They're active. They're doing stuff. They're being entrepreneurial. Babysitting is still a job today. Totally. Unlike, you know, I was I, I spent the whole movie wondering, like, are there paper carriers? Like, being, like I was saying earlier, yeah. there's no paper boys, no paper girls, which is kind of a job that is, through time, is kind mm-hmm. of going away, gone away almost. But babysitters are always going to be, like, that's always going to be a, a job for, oh, completely. for teenagers. And, and the other thing, too, is, yeah, there are some moments that are dated, but I feel like, um, you know, you could easily update this. Like, you have this one scene where, you know, Christy, whose mom is married to a millionaire, is asking her mom, why can't I have my own phone line? Which is like a kid, a 13-year-old asking, why can't I have a cell phone? Right, right. And, and her mom is saying, you know wait until you're 16 it's like why i can pay for it myself with babysitting money and it's just like you know i'm being your parent i'm saying that that's something that you can't have and and the whole reason that they meet at claudia's house for these three times a week um babysitting babysitters club meetings is because claudia is the only one with her own phone line and so just even that is like so like kind of funny and interesting to watch like okay you've determined this because there's like this is the only you know thing that's real whereas all these kids now could probably just text the parents they wouldn't even need this collective really yeah yeah now i wonder 
like, did you ever babysit? I were did. Were you inspired to babysit? Like, did you read this before yes. you were old enough I to mean, be a babysitter? I think, I think every girl that, that read these books wanted to replicate this in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never did. Um, I never got a babysitting club together. But uh, I did babysit. I babysat the kids next door. Um, and I remember uh, the very first time I went over, I wanted to pack a kid kit with me. Like, I wanted to bring, like, I had a couple of, like, you know, these kids had their own books and stuff, but I wanted to bring some of my own books. And I wanted to bring stickers and things like that, thinking, like, this is what you do. Like, you know, I kind of learned, I think, a lot of stuff um, through through reading these yeah, books. Yeah, I'd love to know, actually, how many babysitters were inspired by the Babysitter's oh, Club. I, I feel like I've read interviews with Anna Martin where she writes a lot about that like she or or or, you know responds to the interviews saying that she used to get letters all the time from girls saying this inspired me to start a similar thing with my friends and that's so fun yeah Yeah. that's that's what a great like takeaway from a kid's entertainment series you know yeah i mean looking back like yeah again i see it all the time in the school libraries and yeah my sister had some of them and it's a really cool thing and like kind of a fun inspirational and like totally aspirational thing like that kids could do because like if you're reading in these books when you're like what would you say like eight nine Mm -hmm. and then you could look up to these characters being like i could be a babysitter yeah and you know like these were not (laughs) great literature um make no mistake i was a i was a huge reader when i was a kid like not really into sports or like any other extracurriculars like i loved reading and I read a lot of, you know, the Newbery Medal winner books. Um, but I also read a lot of trash. And Babysitter's Club was kind of trash. But, you know, I think kids reading anything is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it just um, having a series to read and having, like, these characters that you get very attached to and you, you kind of follow the arcs and, uh, and, and the challenges that they face, um, it was, like, a really comforting thing. Also, one of the weird lasting legacies of that series for me is, um, you know, I mentioned that in the in the books, um, whenever they would have a babysitting job, there would be like a handwritten diary entry. So all of them had unique handwriting of their own. And when I was in, you know, grade three, grade four, starting to learn how to do handwriting, I copied um, various babysitters club members um, handwriting. I had a phase maybe That's for hardcore. maybe for a couple <laughs> of years where I wrote like Christy, and I could like imitate this for you on paper right now. Exactly how Christy writes. Stacy had a way of writing. It was in printing, but she would dot her eyes with hearts. But my favorite was Marianne. She just had this beautiful old school cursive. I get complimented on my cursive to this day, and it is Marianne who who, who wow. was my model. Yeah. Well, Anne M. Martin, if you are <laughs> listening to this, wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's incredible. Great series. Yeah, great series. Great stuff. Great little film. And you know what? A lot of these girls are still friends. So last night after I watched the movie, um, I was trying to look up something that I had found online. I remember it was from a couple of years ago on the 20th anniversary, I think, of the film. So 2015. Um, they got together at the Alamo Draft House. And I think they did a screening of it and kind of like a cast chat. And most of the cast showed up for it. And they all look amazing. Like, you know when you see pictures of, of S Club 7 and they all look, like, pretty rough now? Haven't Googled them lately, <laughs> but... <laughs> There's always, like, a weird Daily Mail story that'll come out every couple of years. Okay. It'll be like, I'll take your look at how S Club yeah. 7 looks. <laughs> so, BSC members look fabulous. And, um, you know, I just like that they really like each other and they still hang out. It's kind of like the sisterhood of the Traveling Pants girls who are all friends and they all attend each other's weddings. Like, I find that so sweet. 
that adds to the experience a lot yeah. too. Like ag- again, for me watching it for the first time, no previous association with this movie. I, I mean, I guess it's kind of what I thought it would be. Now <laughs> looking back, it's like it's nice. It's actually a little better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, like in terms of that's like, great. I will say some of the acting was not that great. Mm-hmm. Koki was definitely my favorite character. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on the movie? Anything else? Like, was there anything that really didn't hold up for you? Um, I think it was just really the 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 biggest change watching it now is um I never really liked Christy that much when I was reading this series, but I had a lot of empathy for her, and I just felt like all of these other girls were really hard on her. Um, when she was going through this sort of tough time, on you know herself, and I think it was a little unfair. Um. And I just wish that they cut her more slack uh, than they did. That was my my only thing. Um, otherwise, this you know I I've, I've probably seen this film like ten times now, so uh, a lot of it was 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 still you know very much at the front of my memory. Could you see yourself revisiting it in like another ten years? Is this going to be something you watch over and over like for the rest of your life? Uh. Perhaps. You know, I've held on to those Babysitter's Club books for a reason. I have, like, a handful of children's books that I've held on to. Like I said, some of them are, like, actually good, critically acclaimed uh, children's literature. And then some of them are just, like, trashy books that I really liked. And um, I kind of like the idea of, like, you know, maybe having a kid one day who who reads these books and can sort of understand what my childhood was like, yeah. um, you know, uh, through the process of reading them. Maybe, th- maybe they'll be, like not interested at all and maybe they'll be so hung up on like some of the you know um the things where like they're talking about fax machines and like can't actually engage but uh i don't know it was like a really lovely series for girls to read um and and maybe a couple boys too yeah Yeah. and i just and, and like you know like i said i just have such fond memories of going to see this with a friend who, um, you know, I was so close to in elementary school. You know, a lot of your your friends in elementary school and junior high sort of drop off over the years. And then we kind of like ev- are we evolved as adults together. And, and she's still uh, such such a close friend of mine. And uh, I just love that I have this friendship memory with her that is like tied to this like kind of whatever movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It will, I think I will always hold it in higher regard than maybe it deserves because of the that sentimental connection. Well, it tie, it's about friendship and it really is about friendship yeah. for you. And that's nice. And for listeners at home, I mean, you are a writer. <laughs> so this is, I mean, <laughs> in some way there's it had an influence on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I loved reading when I was a kid. Um, I wrote for like, you know, the, the student newspaper, even in elementary school. And I think so much of that love of, of writing came from a love of reading. Um, and it was kind of like, all, I think when you're a kid, reading is all about quantity, not quality. And, you know, I probably read like 80 of these books. Um, That's probably more than most. That's yeah, yeah. Incredible. And so what are you working on now? Um, so um, I'm actually writing a book of my own now. Uh it is not fiction. It is not about a group of seven friends who babysit. Uh, it's it's a book of nonfiction. Um, but I, I work uh, as as a reporter full time, and I'm just on on a book leave right now. So working on a project that uh, it's kind of been four years in the making. Would you ever write a babysitter themed uh, story or novel? You know what? It was like when I was a kid. 
one one of the the sort of dream jobs I had was to like grow up and become like a children's novelist. Um, so maybe that's my plan B. You know, the newspaper industry isn't doing so great. I will maybe be laid off at some point in the next couple of years, and maybe that's my that's my plan B. Well, there's B. always going to be new babies who need <laughs> uh, new stories about yeah. their sitters. So uh, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This is amazing. I'm so glad you still like it. That's like really <laughs> exciting for me. I'm, I'm glad you you don't hate it now. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's definitely parts where I was like yelling at the screen or groaning, <laughs> but I really like this movie. Yeah, it was so great. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, and thank you. Let's close this out properly, eh? Yeah, I remember that summer. We started a daycare, charged all the kids in the town to play there. Baseball with dodgeball in the afternoon. It was fun, even with only one bathroom. Don calmed down our cranky neighbor when she became friends with Emily Haberman. It was the summer. Christy turned 13, and Cokie learned you don't win when you're mean. Marianne had secrets. Luca met Stacy. Alan was super weird and crazy. And thinking back, it's pretty strange. In fact, Claudia's education was saved by rap. Watson got slapped. At least verbally, Patrick really should have got the third degree. No hyperbole. Jimmy Tony's great and never let Mallory choose the cake. Okay. I always rap in an old school way over this beat. Shout out coins for this incredible boom bap masterpiece I'm, uh, I'm yapping over right now. Got some shows coming up April 18th in Toronto at Junction City Music Hall. It's a ways off, but mark it on your calendar. Also upcoming in Seattle, Vancouver, Moncton, Halifax. Check wordburglar.com for details. I'll see you back here, or hear you back here, or talk into your ears back here in one month. <laughs> Peace. Thanks, guys. <laughs>